Hey, Generation Church, we welcome you and invite you to encounter Jesus with us. We believe that through him, we will encounter love and discover our purpose. So take a seat, lean in, and let this message fortify your faith. Um, the title of my message today is called Days of Pressure. And, uh, and I... I want you to understand that there's something that the Lord is doing, and it's His doing, that is upon the body of Christ right now, and it's applied pressure. And in the midst of all the pressure that the body of Christ is experiencing, we've got to trust Him. We've got to trust Him that He knows what He's doing, and that He is in control and the devil's not getting the upper hand on your life. God is the master potter. He is the one making you. And the ways in which God deals with us is a lot of times through pressure. And you might think, well, that just doesn't seem right. Pressure. But if you look at your life right now, I think you can maybe think of some areas that you're feeling maybe financial pressure. You might be feeling relational pressure, job pressure. You might be experiencing political pressure. You might be experiencing um, spiritual pressure. And the list can go on of all the pressures that are going on. And in that this pressure, is, it's important that, that we perceive it and understand it in the right way. If you don't look at what it's doing for you, um, this whole thing can get real squirrely real quick. And we've got to realize that, that the pressure is giving us the ability to endure. And it's, it's putting some chutzpah in you. It's giving you a backbone. It's putting some steel in you that's going to cause you not to buckle under when the going gets tough. And in that, and I have an inner sense that, that we are rapidly approaching the end of the age. And, and I know that for centuries people have been saying this, that you know, the Lord is coming back tomorrow or 1986 or the late great planet Earth or whatever it is. A lot of people have declared the Lord is coming. Well, it hadn't happened yet. And in that, <clears throat> I believe that God's prophetic timeline is, is really upon us because there's some really clear indicators that we are in the last days. And that started with the establishment of Israel in 1948 as a nation, which opened the door to many prophecies being fulfilled, which also is the fulfillment of the ingathering of all the nations to Israel. And people from all over the Jews all over the world have been flocking into Israel. And the pressures to which Israel are subjective to 
are, are tremendous. And you got to realize, all of the world pretty much hates them. All of the Arab nations around them hate them. And the, the political pressure, the military pressure, the economic pressure, all of this is bearing down upon Israel. And God's in it. And so they're subjective to some of the most intense pressures. So I want to draw an ex, not an extensive uh, comparison between Israel and the church. But the reality is, guys, we've been grafted into the vine. We're Gentiles. We've been grafted in. We've been brought in to this new heritage of being a part of the family of God. So you got to realize you've been grafted in, brought in, established in God's family. Now, God doesn't treat Israel one way and the American church another way. He treats, he treats his people, all his children, the same way. He's a God that does not change. So the way that he is allowing the pressures to be upon Israel, he's going to allow pressures to be upon the American church. And so he's not going to change. He's going to, I'm going to be a little nicer to, to you know, people in America than I am to my people in Israel. I mean, it's not how he works. So, so I want to show you that, that the same principle that God is doing in uh, Israel applies to the church. So let's look at Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 6. Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will announce my words to you. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was, making something on the wheel. But the vessel that he was making of clay was spoiled in the hand of the potter. So he remade it into another vessel, as it pleased the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Can I not, O house of Israel, deal with you as this potter does? declares the Lord. Behold the clay that's in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. So this is a clear picture of what God is doing right now. He's doing it in Israel. The first, the first time the potter was making the clay, uh, it got marred in his hands. It wasn't what he wanted. And he didn't, he didn't say, you know, well, basically, let's just get rid of it and throw it away. He says, no, I'm going to go back to it, and I'm going to remake it. And I'm going to shape it into the vessel that I want the second time. And for me, this is a clear indication of what God is doing with Israel. And in that, we've got to realize that that when a potter, uh, when it was marred in his hands, he, he basically, a, a potter just doesn't throw away a lump of clay. Uh, he basically is able, through applied pressure and shaping and molding the clay, he's able to bring about a new 
shape or vessel. And, and when, when, when a potter is, is throwing clay, you got to realize that the first objective in throwing the clay is that it, it, you got to get the bubbles out. So you got to push it down, smash it down, draw it back up, smash it down, draw it back up. There's an application of applying water and a sponge, and it's shaping it and molding it. But the potter does it through applied pressure from his hands. So I want to look at Philippians 1.6. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. God is the one that's working on you. God is the one that's perfecting you. God is the one that's shaping you. Your life is not your own. It's his. He knows you, loves you, made you before the foundation of the world. He knows everything about you. He knit you in, your, in the womb. He is the one that is perfecting you into a masterpiece. He's making you into a choice vessel of his glory. And so in that, he's going to do it certain ways. So as I said, when a master potter is, is throwing clay, he has a treadle and he works it with his feet. And in that, he works the speed of it in a horizontal way. And so that the, the, the wheel starts to spin and the clay is thrown right into the center. And in that, he applies pressure. He starts putting water on it. He starts allowing it to be shaped through the pressing of his fingers into it. And so in that, he's using the applied pressure, but it's for the very purpose that he is what is called this technique of applied pressure of the fingers going into the clay. Do you know what it's called? Discipline. The technique of a potter on a wheel is a technique called discipline. Now think about that. What does the scripture say? He disciplines those whom he loves. Does he not? You'll never read that scripture the same way again. You'll think, oh my goodness, discipline is applied pressure. Because he loves you. And in that, you're thinking, oh my goodness, discipline. See, you're not in time out. You're not, you're not, he's not angry with you. He's not upset with you. He, he's not like, he, he's, he just loves you. But he loves you enough that he's the one doing the work in you. And he knows just the right amount of pressure to discipline you because he loves you to make you into what he wants for you. He, he's got every right to say, you know what? Maybe you were doing one thing at one time in your life and you thought, well, this is my purpose. And then everything, all of a sudden, it's like the rugs pulled out from on you, under you and 
and you were operating and functioning in a certain way, and it's just not working anymore. And it's like, what just happened? Well, could it be that the master potter decided that he has a new use for you, and he wants to shape you and mold you into something new? He's got every right to do that. you got to realize that what he's called you to do is not your calling. It's him. You're not your own ship. You're not the captain of your own ship. Your life is his. And what he wants to do with you is up to him. You can't say to the potter, you know what? I think you need to make this arm a little bit stronger. I, no, I, actually, I think you need to shape this side. It looks better. You know, we can't speak into what the potter is doing. He's making you. He's perfecting you. He's, he is making you into a masterpiece. So we got to realize that it's all about him. I am so grateful that it's not about me. I would really mess things up. I don't know about you guys. I really would. You know, I, we get the big head <laughs> thinking, oh, I'm in charge. You know, I, I'll never forget the day I met my little, my Jeremy. He was two years old. Good night. And he met me at the door and he said, he said, you might be in charge, but Jesus is your boss. <laughs> two years old. He's asking Eliza, am I in charge? And he really meant it. It was like he just thought he was the big kahuna in the home. And at two years old, he, still, he was thinking he was in charge. And I'm like, and he met me at the door. You might be in charge of this house, but Jesus is your boss. So, yeah. So, let me just say this, Hebrews 12, 6, for those whom he loves, he disciplines. He's disciplining you, pressing in on you, because he loves you. You could read it this way. God applies pressure to your life because he loves you. That's the Sam Fine version. So he's perfected what he started. So when people look at your life, you know what God wants them to see? He wants them to see his fingerprint on you. He wants them to see the reflection of Jesus in you. So I want to talk about the pressures that are being applied to the church and the purpose of God in applying those pressures. It is important to realize that experiencing are not always the evil one but it's God who is behind it so I'm sure everyone has read this scripture James 1 verses 2 through 4 if you want to go there you can consider it all joy my brethren when you encounter various trials you know what I've read that I've read that, I've read that for so many years, and I still haven't figured out that joy thing. 
I mean, come on. I just don't get happy with trials. I, if you got happy, I want you to teach me. Because I, I have not gotten that happiness yet. You know? Joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart. You down in my heart. I don't get the joy, you know? I get the pain. I don't like pain. I, I just don't like pain. But it says... Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So consider it joy when you're going through hard times. You know, there was a time in this last year, that I was experiencing in a period of time enormous pressures on all fronts. And and I thought to myself, this has got to be the devil. It cannot be God. So I started taking my authority in Christ, standing in who I am, binding every demon in hell, Casting out, dealing with, declaring, oh, thank you. Oh, my gosh. It's a masterpiece. All right. So in that, it, it was, you know, I was pleading the blood of the lamb over my circumstances. I was calling on the angels of heaven to come and rout out the enemy and destroy him. I mean, I was doing all I know with the weapons of my warfare. And guess what? The pressure didn't stop. And I thought to myself, okay, it's not the devil. It's God. God is allowing the pressure. Now, I didn't like it at first, but I realized I need to start looking at this from a different perspective. Because... um, I don't necessarily, I, I don't necessarily like pain. I, I just don't like pain. Am I the only one? I mean, come on, I don't like pain. But, you know, there were years ago, yes, I did work out at one time. And, and it was a long time ago, long time ago. And I used to work out on weights. And, and I used to work out on weights and, and, you know, uh, and when I would work out and when I would get done, oh, oh my gosh, the next day I'd be like, oh, I can hardly walk. I can hardly move my arms. I can, you know, it hurt. It was painful. But after a while, I kind of noticed, I looked at myself like, well, you're getting a little bit of a bicep there, you know, and I. Getting the old six pack back, you know. I mean, it just, just kidding. I, I, um, I, you know, I, I liked how I felt. I, I started feeling uh, fit. I started feeling, feeling good about myself. I liked the results. I liked the results that I was getting by working out on weights.
That's the way I want you to look at it with the applied pressure that's on your life right now. It's developing something beautiful in you. Applied pressure from the Lord is giving you the strength that you need to endure. It's giving you strength to persevere. It's giving you the strength to run the race that is set before you. The applied pressure is giving you strength. It's putting steel in your backbone. You know, it's when the going gets tough, the tough get going. We're not called to be milk toast. You're troops. You're an army. Get in shape. We, you're not to be an easy pushover. You're called to rise up in who you are in Christ Jesus and be the warrior. You have been enlisted into the army. I know you didn't sign up, but he enlisted you. You're in his army, so let's get in shape and get in order and grow up. But we got to realize that the means that God is dealing with us as a church is the same way he's dealing with Israel. Applied pressure. And that pressure is discipline. And that pressure is love. And he's developing it in you for the very purpose that you might endure to the end. Do you guys realize that we're on a race? We're all in a race right now. Scripture says in Matthew 24 and also says in Luke, it says, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Do you got the endurance to run this race? It's not a sprint, as my wife says. It's, we're in a marathon, and, and we're training for this long, wonderful, glorious race but we must endure it. You know, Paul said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. So in that, think about it. He says, I have fought the good fight. You know what? It wasn't all pretty with Paul. His fight was hard-fought fight. I mean, he was beaten, bruised, whipped, scourged, left to die more than any human being. And it didn't always look pretty. But he said, I fought the good fight. It's not about how you're going to end up. Just get to the end. You, you got to endure. You got to grow in this area. Why? Because it's a race. It's set before you, and it's a race that keeps going upward. And the reality is, is that through this race, your faith is being tested. But it's being tested for the very purpose that it's to be pure gold. Your faith is what keeps you in the race. Your faith and your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. So we must keep the faith. And God doesn't want anyone falling away. The scripture does talk about there is a falling away. 
But I believe those that are falling away have not developed the perseverance and the strength to endure for the race set before them, and they give up. We are not called to give up. We are called to press in to the Lord and keep upward, keep going upward and setting our minds on the things above and not on the things of this world. So I want to encourage you today. I believe God's applied pressure is encouragement. And because I've, I've realized it's all been about my perspective. It's all been about how I'm perceiving the pressure that's being applied to me. And I've been perceiving it in a negative way. And I've not been looking at the benefit that it's doing in my life. That there's a beautiful thing that's happening in me through this applied pressure. And the other aspect of it, we're having endurance, we're, we're getting strength, but we're also our character. Who you are as a person is being developed. Do you know when it gets hot in the kitchen, sometimes things come up in your life. Do you know the dross seems to come up, right? When there's applied pressure, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that was in me. Says I am. Well, there it is. But God said it's through the heat in the kitchen, the applied pressure, I'm going to show you some of the dross that's in your life. You know what he's doing in you? He's making you into a having proven character. He's making you into having character that will not falter and not give up and not fall into moral depravity. He's developing in you the righteousness of Christ. You're exchanging that old life, that old self, and you're receiving the gift of his righteousness. I mean, guys, that's an incredible exchange. He's basically taking all of the sin and impurity in your life, and he's saying, I died for that, and I received that right now. And now receive my righteousness. That's the most incredible exchange. This old life that we've lived in, this old character that lived in the world, He's saying, it's gone. Just give it to me. I've died for it. Receive your forgiveness. See, that's the good news is that in Christ, there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away. So, so in that, so in that, um, this total, it, it, you know, it takes faith to believe that you're righteous. Do you know that? How many of you look at your old self and not your new self? How many of you put yourself in the mindset of the old person, of the old ways of what you used to do? That old person is dead, has died, has been crucified with Christ, 
and has been buried in baptism and has been raised and is now seated at the right hand, is seated with Jesus in heavenly places. So your character, this is character development 101 church. God through applied pressure is perfecting your character so that you have proven character. That you'll, you'll be one that will be faithful and true to what he's called you to. So through the trials, he has given you this ability to stand. So just as he permits the pressure right now, church, against Israel. You've got to realize there's 40 million Arabs all around Israel. And they all hate him. Hate Israel. They want to see it destroyed. He's allowing all this pressure to form and shape his beautiful church, just like the potter remakes and shapes you. So my question is, what should be our response to this situation? I just shared with you what it's producing in you. It's producing perseverance. It's giving you strength to endure. It's also producing within you proven character. It's developing your character so that your faith will not fail. So I want to suggest to you three ways in which it would, it would be important for us to remember how to respond to this. We know now the benefit of it. Let's now look at how do we respond to this? Are you going to put your head in the sand like an ostrich? Are you going to want to just, you know, hope that this all goes away? Well, if you can't look at this in the good light in how we're to respond, it's going to get really tough. Because I, I want to just help you guys, if you haven't gotten the news bulletin, pressures are all only going to increase. It's not like they're going to get any better. It's not like you get a pass that says, Woo, I got the pass. Been there, done that. I don't need it anymore. It's, it's just it's going to increase. So the, the first one of the ways that we respond might surprise you. And, I, uh, and that is this. The first way that we respond to this is be hopeful. You've got to be optimistic. You've got to have the right perspective. Luke 12 says this. This is a description of the end times of the trials of all that's going to be happening on the body of Christ coming upon the church before his glorious return. So Luke 21 has some humdinger of some things in there that talk about what's to come, what's going to be happening. But in all of that, does it say, store up enough food for 10 years, go find a cave and go live in it and hide and, and be safe and, and, and try to, you know, escape from all this stuff? No, it doesn't say that. Do you know what it says? When these things begin to take place, don't run into the wilderness and hide. You're going to be surprised what it says. It says this. 
But when these things begin to take place, straighten up. (laughs) Straighten up. Come on, get that steel in your backbone. Straighten up. Lift up your heads. Put a smile on your face. For your redemption's drawing near. All of this is for the purpose to understand how can you straighten up, look up, think, whoo, man, my redemption's drawing near. How can you do that? Because God is sovereignly in control and the devil has been defeated. And we have a glorious future and an inheritance in heaven. And he's saying, come on, look up. The, fo- the sky's not falling. You're getting ready to just be gloriously brought into my presence. So he's not left us here helpless, hopeless, with no future. He's saying, look up. Come on, look up, church. I, you got to look up to me. It's all going to be good. So it really comes down to how... If I ask you this question, when you look at a a glass of water, do you look at it half empty or do you see it half full? It's all about perspective. If you see it half empty, there's a good chance that you could be pessimistic. It could be that you're negative in your thinking. Do you struggle with negativity? God wants you to be positive. He wants you to be optimistic and hopeful that the glass is actually half full. Good things are ahead. God is in control and he's working everything together for good for your life. So in that, it's all about perspective. We first got to have hope about our future and not be pessimistic. The second, I believe, is commitment. Your commitment to God. And I don't mean half-hearted commitment. I don't mean unreserved commitment. I mean full-out, Jesus-loving, give up my life. I love Jesus. I'm committed to the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. Psalm 110 says this. The opening two verses of this psalm are actually more quoted in the, Old Te- in the New Testament than, than any other Old Testament passage. Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. And the Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying... Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people, your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. In holy, in holy array from the womb of the dawn, your youth are to you as the dew. That was quoted by Jesus himself. And so the Lord is God the Father, and he says to Jesus Christ, the Son, of David's Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. That's where Jesus is right now. He's at the right hand waiting for all of his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. And then it says this in the next verse, 
The Lord will stretch forth your strong scepter from Zion, saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. The result is, is that Christ rules in the midst of his enemies. And this is the most important thing to see, is that where are we? Where are we right now in this world? What, are we in the midst of a lot of enemies? Yeah, we are. We're in the midst of a lot of enemies right now. And so in that, Christ is going to rule in the midst of our enemies, and our, and, and our enemies are going to be made his footstool. So I want you to understand this. If, if you get more occupied on what the enemy is doing than what Christ is doing, you're going to lose heart. You're going to get shipwrecked. You got to be focused on the fact that Christ is ruling and reigning in the midst of your struggle and your enemies. And he is dealing with them and they will be eventually his footstool. So when you see that, it makes you think, okay, good. He's in control. He's got this thing. He's got me. It's not all bad. So in that, you don't lose heart. You don't lose faith. And even though the, venom, the enemies at times can be vicious and vocal and, and, and can really try to, you know, go at you mentally, you have to continually bear in your mind, Jesus is ruling in the midst. He is sovereignly in charge. And then the next verse says this, your people will volunteer freely in the day of your power. In holy array, from the womb, your youth are to you as the dew. I like the word troops, and I like battle, because it's talking about war. But where it says volunteer, I want you to put commitment. Your troops will be committed and ready to serve God in holy array. They are the, the offering. And so in that, there's going to come a time in which his people will be so fully committed in battle array, and we will be so agile and ready to enter into the good fight that it's those that are steadfast, immovable, committed to the gospel of Jesus Christ are those that are going to shine forth like stars. I'm telling you right now, you cannot have one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world. That is a very miserable place to be. No one likes to ride a fence. Okay? So you, you either, you, you're either in or you're not. You've signed up or you haven't. You are a committed soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're in this thing for him. So away with the world. Just cut it off. No more. The world is passing and it's going away. And we're to be about the business of the Lord. The third response, and I'll be real quick, is you must identify yourself with God's purposes. 1 John 2, 17, the world is passing away and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God lives 
forever. King James says abides forever. So everything in this world is unstable, is, is impermanent. But the man who identifies himself with God's purposes is unsinkable. When you apply yourself to what God is saying, you are more safe and secure, determining to do the will of God no matter where it is than you are any other place. Determine in your heart to do the will of God, the purposes of God. That is one that will safely go through the applied pressure that's happening today on the church. See, I've always said to people that if God called me to be a missionary in the Middle East, and that was his will for me, I would be safer in the Middle East where there's much turmoil, there's much uh, infighting, there's much, a lot, there's a lot of everything there. I would be safer there in the will of God being the purpose that he has for my life than I would here in America. So committing myself to the purpose of God is so important. So let me just end the message. Let me recap the three responses. Number one, be hopeful. We've got to have hope. We've got to be optimistic. We can't be pessimistic. Number two is commitment. Either you're in or you're not. Number three, identify with the purposes of God. And I have some more, but I think we can land it there. I really want you to begin to see where you are right now. And I believe the Lord has highlighted this whole theme of applied pressure because many of you are going through a lot of pressure right now. And he wants you to begin to see it in a new light and in a new way that actually it's him. And you might think, hmm, how can that be God? Well, remember, you're the clay. He's the potter. And a potter makes a beautiful masterpiece by applied pressure. So we have to trust him. Even though you might feel like you're going through the valley of the shadow of death, you trust him. You trust him. You trust him. And you know that he's in control and he's sovereign. And I am beginning to have a new perspective on consider it all joy. I'm thinking the one thing that I desire most and that is to be found faithful. Faithful to my calling. Faithful to this church. Faithful to my bride, faithful to my family. There's nothing that breaks my heart more or could break my heart more, and that is to not be found faithful to you. As a pastor, I want to be found true to who I am, what he's called me to do. And being faithful to the end 
is so important. It might not look real pretty, but I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to get there. And I'm going to cross the finish line. And, and I believe that like myself, you as well, you are going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Well done. So I want you to be encouraged, church, that good things are ahead for you. And it's all looking up from here. So lift up your head. Lift up your head. Come on. It really isn't that bad. Lift up your head. Our redemption's drawing near. Amen.